0: Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that it's by your commands that you have preserved our life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to never forget your commands, particularly as we look at your word this morning and we see your law there, we see how you would have us live and how we should follow you. Oh, Lord, we pray that we would understand that this is the way to preserve our lives, is to live according to your word. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, this morning we continue our series in John's Gospel and we look at John chapter 13 once more and we've been studying John 13 and how Jesus has been showing great love to the disciples, the way that he has physically washed their feet before a meal. We saw the condescension that is required, particularly for a rabbi, to do this for his disciples and what Jesus was showing by that uh, metaphorically as well, that he was showing the way that he Washes our sins away. And then last time we looked at how he has given a command to the disciples to wash one another's feet and what that meant. And then he gave this hint uh, that through this time that we've been looking at the verses together, particularly verses 1 through to 17, that something terrible is about to happen, and that is the betrayal of himself by Judas. The focus now then turns to that. There's been little hints coming through as we've been looking at the verses together, but we see now clearly that Judas is about to betray the Lord Jesus. Judas is one of the 12 apostles. He has been with Jesus and he is now going to turn on Jesus. And the first thing that we notice through this passage is that Jesus isn't fooled by Judas. It is not as though Judas has been able to fool Jesus into thinking that he is a good friend and Jesus is completely unaware when he is betrayed. No, again and again, we've seen as we've been looking, reading these verses together, that Jesus certainly knew that Judas was going to betray him. If you look with me at verse 10 of chapter 13, which we looked at in previous weeks, verse 10 where Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet, his whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. And we looked at last time what, uh, when we looked at that passage together what it means to be clean, that we're justified, that we're sanctified, we're adopted. Uh, but he is very clear there that not all the apostles are clean. That one of them is going to betray him. And we see that in verse 11, for he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. And then down in verse 18, the passage that we're starting to look at today, he says after he said in verse 17, that if you do these things, wash one another's feet and what that implies, you'll be blessed if you do them. But then in verse 18, he says that blessing doesn't go for all of you. Verse 18, I'm not referring to all of you I know those I have chosen, but this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. Someone who shares my bread is going to lift up their heel against me. Jesus certainly knows that one of the disciples is going to betray him. And then in verse 21. If the disciples haven't caught on yet, verse 21, he says, After he'd said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. He knows it's coming. And then in verse 26, he identifies who the one is, that is, to betray him. Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I've dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread... He gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Not only does he know that it's one of the twelve, he knows precisely which one of the twelve is going to betray him. And so we notice in this passage as we read through that Jesus isn't fooled by Judas. But as we look at particularly verses 18 through to verse 30, the second thing we notice is that the disciples, the apostles, were certainly fooled by Judas that Judas has been, hasn't been able to pull the wall over Jesus' eyes, but he's certainly able to pull the wall over the other apostles' eyes. And we see that in verse 22, after Jesus has said that one of them is going to betray him. What do we read in verse 22 of chapter 13? His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. And then even after Jesus has given the piece of bread to Judas and Judas is ready to go out and betray him, we read in verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. Yet another hint that something's going to happen and Judas is involved. What do we read in verse 28? But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. So they don't cotton on even at this point. They've been warned that someone's going to betray Jesus. And then Judas is told, go on, do what you're going to do, do it quickly. And they don't realize, oh, it must be Judas. And so Judas must have been the perfect actor, the perfect hypocrite. Uh, The person who is able to live one way but deep down be in a totally different frame of mind. And when we look at Judas and the way that the disciples didn't cotton on to the fact that he was the one to betray him, he must have been able to put this up, this act, so well. Because the disciples would have seen him interacting with the Lord Jesus over the three years of Jesus' ministry and seeing him experience the same experiences they were experiencing and not have any different real response to those experiences from what they were having. I mean, when you consider what the apostles would have gone through, and Judas went through them as well, we realise that Judas experienced great privilege under the teaching of the Lord Jesus, under the ministry of the Lord Jesus. I mean, he would have heard Jesus preach and seen Jesus' many miracles and responded to that preaching like the other apostles because otherwise the apostles would have noticed that Judas, he never really seems to listen very well to Jesus when he's teaching, or he doesn't really seem to take much joy in the miracles that Jesus is performing. He lived with Jesus and ate bread with Jesus, uh, which we see in verse 18, uh, that Jesus refers to the fact that he shared his bread. In verse 18, it's a quote from uh, Psalm 41. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. So Judas was welcome to be at Jesus's table and to eat, his bread, eat bread with him. And so it's a terrible thing that he actually ended up betraying Jesus uh, when he was someone who experienced Jesus' hospitality. Uh, In the Middle Eastern culture, from what I understand, it is particularly horrendous to betray someone who has shown you hospitality. If someone opens their home to you and you go in and then you steal from them or betray them in some way, it is a particularly awful thing. We here in West, we would also see it as terrible but in middle eastern culture where there's this real focus on hospitality and opening your home and sharing your bread with one another that to then betray the person is all the more horrendous and judas what other privilege would he privileges would he have had well the privilege of teaching on behalf of the lord jesus and doing miracles on behalf of the lord jesus he not only heard jesus teach but then he taught he not only saw jesus do miracles but he did miracles How do I know this? Well, in Matthew 10, when Jesus sends out his disciples, he says to them, as you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. And when he says all that, he doesn't say, except for you, Judas. You other guys, yes, you go do that. You heal the sick, you raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. But Judas, you're not going to be able to do any of that. No, Judas went out like the rest and would have done those things. Otherwise, the disciples would have realized there's something odd about this guy. All of us can teach well and all of us can do miracles, but Judas, there's something odd about him. But he would have. We assume that he would have. Uh, He was also viewed by the apostles as the one who was trustworthy enough to look after the money bag to provide for the poor. He wasn't suspected. He had the great privilege of looking after the funds, as we see in verse 29 of the passage that we've been looking at. He had his feet washed by the Lord Jesus, a humble act of physical love. Uh, He wasn't singled out as Jesus passed by him. He went to all the other apostles but skipped Judas. No, he experienced that love of the Lord Jesus. He had a seat of honour at the table, it appears. Um, If we look at the Last Supper here as Jesus is having it, it's interesting that Peter isn't close enough to ask Jesus a direct question. And John is there. He's able to ask Jesus a direct question about who is the one that has betrayed him. And then Jesus is able to pass something to Judas and speak to Judas without everybody else hearing. So it's very likely that Judas was next to Jesus. You've got John on one side, you've got Judas on the other. He was given a seat of great honor. We at our tables don't always uh, think about who sits where you say oh sit wherever when you come to the dining table but in this culture it was very important who got to sit next to the host and so judas was given this seat of honor and it doesn't seem like the apostles were particularly surprised about it because we don't see any comment from them so it may have been that judas was often in the place of honor next to the lord jesus He was seated in that place of great love from the Lord Jesus. And he is given a special part of the dish. Uh, We see that he is given uh, this piece of bread uh, or the sop as it's uh, translated in some of the translations in verse 26. He dips this piece of bread in a dish and hands it to uh, Judas, which was apparently a very uh, kind and gracious thing, a thing of honor to be done for Judas to be hand fed by the Lord Jesus in this way. And then Jesus also shows love even to Judas right to the end in warning him that he is the one who would betray him. All the disciples go around in the other accounts that we have of this Last Supper and they say, is it I? Is it I, Lord? Is it I? And Judas himself, in Matthew 26, he says, surely not I, Rabbi? And Jesus answered, yes, it is you. He gives him this warning just there at the end. I know what you're going to do. And it's a last opportunity for you, Judas, to back out of what you're planning on doing to me. And so Judas experienced all these great privileges. But deep down, there was a hard heart towards the Lord Jesus. And he was willing to lift up his heel against Christ. That's how it's described in verse 18, that quote from Psalm 41. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. That. He has spurned the Lord Jesus by pushing his heel against him. He's kicked out against him. And so Judas here, I think, stands as a great warning to us this morning, a warning to us how far you can come to the Lord Jesus Christ and still be unsaved. I think all of us this morning should take your time. That's basically what the sermon is this morning, is for all of us in this room to consider this morning and ask the question that the apostles asked many, many years ago, surely not I, Rabbi? Is it possible that I am a Judas deep down? Now, why would I want you all this morning to ask such an offensive question to your own soul? It's an offensive thing to ask, Should, am I one, particularly if we have affirmed the Lord Jesus in the past, am I a Judas? Judas has been this person who's held up in history as the most terrible person, and rightly so, betraying the Lord Jesus in the way that he did. So then it's offensive for us to ask, am I Judas? But I think it's a good exercise for us to have this morning. And I've got a number of reasons why. Why is it a good thing for us to ask this morning, could I be a Judas? Why? Firstly, because most of us have experienced the same privileges and love of Christ that Judas experienced. Most of us in this room have heard Jesus preach just as Judas heard the teachings of the Lord Jesus. We've heard his word in the scriptures. We've read again and again the Bible. Many of us have been baptized into Christ's name. Many of us have witnessed the power of Christ as he's worked in our lives and the lives of those around us in answer to prayer. Many of us have lived with Jesus growing up in Christian homes where Jesus is present in other people around us and we've seen Jesus interacting with other people in the home. We've seen that or we may not have grown up in a Christian home but we live in one now and so Jesus is present in the home. We are people who have spoken on behalf of Christ. Some of you have even preached on behalf of Christ. You have proclaimed The message of the Lord Jesus, just as Judas did many years ago. And we are people who are given great trust. Judas, remember, he was given great trust of the money bag of Jesus and his disciples. We, too, are given great trust. God gives us many things to, to look after, to be stewards of. But if you're a member of Des Moines Baptist Church, you have a great trust here. That you are responsible in a few weeks' time, particularly, for how the money of the Lord at this church is spent. You are keepers of the money bag. You have that great trust, just as Judas had it many years ago. And you have been welcomed to Jesus' table as well. Many times, most of you in this room have been welcomed to the Lord's Supper, just as Judas was welcomed to the Lord's Supper so many years ago. And so when we look at Judas we can see that we, too, have experienced many of the blessings that he experienced. But none of those blessings precluded Judas from rejecting Christ. And he hasn't been the only one in history that has experienced great blessing from the Lord, but then has turned away and kicked out at the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus even warned of this in Matthew chapter 7. What does he say in Matthew 7, verse 21? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? These are people who did what Judas did. They drove out demons. They prophesied in his name. They performed many miracles. And what will the Lord Jesus say to them? Matthew 7, verse 23. Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Judas isn't the only one. Jesus warned that there would be more and more that would follow in Judas's footsteps. A people who experienced great blessing from the Lord and even did things on the Lord's behalf. But then... They are spurned from the Lord because they have spurned him all along deep down. And we know of this. We don't need the Bible to tell us as well. We can see it in church history again and again. Yes, the Bible teaches us it, but we see it in experience as well. I know of many people who looked very good. They looked like faithful, committed Christians, and they did things on behalf of Christ but then they have turned around and renounced Christ. And that goes for pastors even. People who have preached Sunday after Sunday after Sunday about the Lord Jesus Christ have then shown that all along they were a Judas as they lift up their heel against Christ. So why would I ask you this morning to ask yourself, am I a Judas? Well, it's because we all look very much like him. Judas didn't stand out. As someone who you could guess very quickly, that's him. And I look out of this room this morning, and you have experienced the same privileges of Judas. Not in the same way. (laughs) He experienced it so wonderfully. It would have been incredible to live with Jesus in the way that Judas did. But you still have experienced many of the same blessings that Judas did. So I think it's a helpful thing for you to ask yourself, could I be a Judas? And another reason why I think it should be asked is because I cannot know who you are deep down, whether you have a false faith and a false repentance. If Judas could fool the apostles, then you can certainly fool me today and pretend that you're a Christian all along. And so this is an opportunity for me to get you to examine yourself to see if you deep down are actually a Judas. But then you may say, why does it matter? Why does it matter if I can fool people? Why is it a big problem? Well, because remember, you cannot fool Jesus. Judas couldn't fool Jesus, that he was going to betray him. And you might be able to fool everyone else, but you can't fool Jesus. Jesus knows the darkness that lurks in your heart, and so it's good for you to ask that question, am I a Judas? Is my faith a false faith? Is my repentance a false repentance? And why is it then important for you to realize that you can't fool Jesus? Well, because of the great distress that comes on those who follow Judas and do not repent of their sins. The distress in this world, we look at Judas and we see how he lived after his betrayal. How did he live? Well, Matthew 27 tells us what happens to Judas. It says, when Judas who had betrayed him, saw that Jesus was condemned. He was seized with remorse and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. I have sinned, he said, for I have betrayed innocent blood. What is that to us, they replied. That's your responsibility. So Judas threw the money into the temple and left. Then he went away and celebrated. No, then he went away and hanged himself. That's what happened to Judas. Do you think Judas thought that's what he'd be doing in a few hours' time when he betrayed Jesus? No, he was concentrating on the money that he would get for betraying Jesus. He was a young man, probably, in all likelihood, like the other apostles. He didn't think he was going to be dead in a few hours, swinging from a tree. But that's what happened to him. And you may be thinking, oh, it's okay, to be a Judas. It's okay to pretend to be a Christian. But you don't know what will happen, the distress that will come to you in this world and the distress that will come in the next world. Verse 30 is very interesting the way it ends. What does it say in verse 30? As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. I think John is having a deliberate play on words there by the darkness that is hinted at there, that it was night. Yes, it was night, and that was the time of day, but Judas was up to evil now. He was going out, he was starting to enter into eternal darkness. As he was leaving the light of the world, who was seated at that table, he's then going out into darkness. And that's what the Lord Jesus says in Matthew 26 about Judas. He says, "'Woe to that man who betrays the Son of Man!' It would be better for him if he had not been born. It would be better if Judas was not born for his sake. If he was looking just at Judas, it would be better that he was never born. And so why is it important to realise that we can't fool Jesus? Because there's great distress that can come upon us in this world, but also the distress that comes in the next world. There's no greater danger than final darkness in hell. And it would be better... For your sake, that you'd never been born, than for you to remain a Judas here this morning, and not turn from your sin, and you're in danger then of missing not just um, uh, you—you're in danger of missing the joy that comes of eternal life with the Lord Jesus. You, you go into eternal distress in hell, but you miss the eternal joy of heaven and pleasures at God's right hand. And so it's very important for you to ask this morning, could I be a Judas? My great desire here this morning and in my ministry is that I would leave none here in darkness, but that everybody that comes in under my ministry experiences eternal light. And so that's why I think it's worth us taking the time this morning to ask, could I be a Judas? And there's other reasons as well. The distress you cause to others. We see the distress that is caused to the disciples and to the Lord Jesus Christ as they find out that one of them is going to betray him. We see this in the passage that we're looking at this morning, that uh, it caused distress for the Lord Jesus. In verse 21, after he said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit. Why is Jesus troubled in spirit? Because, and he testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray him. It's great distress for the Lord Jesus. If you have someone betray you, someone that you've shown great love and affection for and given many good things, and then they turn on you, how do you feel? That's how the way the Lord Jesus felt the distress. And we see that in other parts of scripture. um, King David is an example of that. And we read a passage from 1 Samuel before. How many different people betrayed him? King Saul, who's meant to be uh, his king and his protector, instead is trying to spear him, trying to kill him even in his own bed. We saw he wanted the bed carried up to his room so that he could kill him. And then... David was, of course, betrayed by his son Absalom, who tried to take over the throne. Ahithophel, an advisor that he had, then advises uh, advises his son Absalom. It caused great distress for David to have a friend spurn him. And so it caused the Lord Jesus great distress. And, of course, the disciples, they're very troubled as they hear about one of them betraying uh, betraying the Lord Jesus. They're distressed to know, and they want to know, who is it? And is it I that could be doing that? And we see this again and again with anyone that is a faithful Christian on the outside, but then they walk away from the Lord. It causes great distress to his church, particularly if it's a pastor of a church, a pastor who has preached God's word and lived such a holy-looking life, and then sweeps it all away and renounces Christ. The poor local church that has to go through the aftermath of that when a pastor renounces Christ. And that's what you could be doing. You don't think about your future and you don't think about the future of those around you and the stress you cause even the Lord Jesus as he continues to be kind to you that you then pick up your heel and spurn him. Most of you in this room, I don't think, would even kick an animal, that you'd turn your heel on an animal, on a dog or a cat. But will you turn it upon the Lord Jesus? Will you kick out against him one day, because you have not repented of your sins or truly trusted in Him. Why else should we ask if we are uh, could be a Judas? And why should we do it today? Why do I want you to do it this morning? Why not leave it till tomorrow to ask? Am I a Judas? Am I someone who looks good on the outside but is rotten on the inside? Well, because Judas was loved more and more by Christ, and what did we see happen to him? He was hardened more and more. To the love of Christ until for Satan finally enters into him in verse 27. We see the privilege of, the, of Judas that he gets his feet washed. He gets to sit probably next to the Lord Jesus. Jesus gives him the hand, feeds him. He gives him opportunity after opportunity to back out of what he's planning to do. But he gets harder and harder and harder, like callous on the bottom of your foot or on your hand. At first, when pressure comes, your hand feels it. But then gradually, again and again, as pressure comes, you get a harder and harder callus on your foot or on your hand. And so you become impervious to the pressure. And that's what can happen to you this morning. The love of Christ is being displayed to you once again, that he stands ready to wash your feet and your head and your hands, your whole body of sin. You cannot presume that you'll be open to his love tomorrow. Judas was hardened and hardened and hardened until Satan entered into him and he was done for. That could be you. You have heard the love of Christ again and again and again. Tomorrow may be the day when Satan enters into you and you are done for. Unless you repent today, unless you take that time to trust in the Lord Jesus now. And that's why I want everyone in this room this morning to ask that question, could I be a Judas? Because today, this morning may be your last opportunity to do so, to repent. And then there's one other reason why I think all of us should ask that question, because there's still hope for us. There's still hope for us. We know how Judas' life ended Your ending is still unknown. You're all breathing. You're all alive in this room. Your ending is still unknown. Jesus stands with water to clean you and give you the right hand of fellowship for all of eternity. He is passing you the bread now, the bread of life. Will you receive it? He shows his love even to the end for Judas's, and he is showing his love to you this morning. Will you accept his love? instead of rejecting his love this morning. So I want all of us now to take a few moments to examine our souls and see if they are truly resting on Christ. Whether you're a visitor, a regular attender, a member of the church, a deacon, an elder, a preaching elder. Some of you may think it's a waste of time to do this, but Judas warns us it's not a waste of time. It was good enough for all the apostles to go around the table and ask, is it I, Lord? So therefore, it is good enough for us this morning. And for some of you, these may be the most valuable moments of your life. This may be the morning where you accept eternal life for the first time and stop being a Judas and become a true disciple of the Lord Jesus. So take some time now. I'm going to give us some time to examine our hearts. And if you find Jesus saying, yes, it is you, when you ask, is it I, Lord, who will betray you? Fly to Christ and ask for forgiveness. But if you find a true faith deep down, thank God for it, that you're not a Judas. And ask that the Spirit keep you in his grace and pray for any Judases who may be amongst us this morning that they would come into that light and feed on the bread of life that you have enjoyed. Let us do that now. Let's come and examine our hearts now. Heavenly Father, we hope that there's no one in this room who is a Judas. But Lord, if there is a Judas amongst us, for the sake of their soul and for the sake of your glory, may they repent now. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.